Whether you are new to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is the place for the honest answers to your questions. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis on RadioMD.com. I'm Lisa Davis, along with the fantastic Andrea Donsky. It is so important to teach girls about what is going on in their pelvic area. And I have to say, I am so impressed with the books by Missy Lavender, who joins us now. She's the founder and executive director of the Women's Health Foundation. Hello, Missy. Welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Well, you know, I love your books. I read Below Your Belt, How to Be Queen of Your Pelvic Region. I read it with my 11-year-old daughter, and she really enjoyed it. You also have another great book that's for a kid's book about going. And I learned such an incredible amount. I talked about this a few weeks ago, about how doing that rocking back and forth after you go to the bathroom, it's changed my life, really, because <laughs> I've had issues my entire life. <laughs> now, we know that you based all of this great stuff on a study, Tell us about the study, what the results were, and why you think it's so important that we're talking to these girls. So everything we do, thank you for asking that question, is based in research. So um, since since we were born as an organization in 2004, and when we looked at the girls, we've had for a long time these hypotheses about really in our culture, it seems like we shove our pelvises over here to the side pretty young, and it's this icky place that we have to look at once a month, whether we like it or not, but ew. And, you know, there's been lots of things written about girls not knowing their bodies and the way we talk about our periods, right? It's like, you know, the rag or the curse. Not a really positive celebrate your womanhood event. So we had this hypothesis that, you know, if girls are really disconnected from this part of their body, then guess what? They carry it forward, whether they want want to or not, into big life stages like pregnancy potentially, and definitely if they're above ground long enough, like me, they hit menopause. And at that point, when symptoms start to show up, it's, it's really chronic. So what would it be like to try to understand, first of all, what do these girls know at the ages where we were addressing it, which was high school, so 14 to 17, and then what can we teach them? We, we knew they would know nothing. They knew nothing about baby. Um, But then what could we teach them and where were their aha moments and what did it, what did it do for their feelings about their body? And we were fortunate to do this study here in Chicago in, we had six classes, three urban high schools. The girls were, you know, mostly African-American and Hispanic. Um, So they were representative of that urban teen. But um, what we found that was fascinating is that they really, they wouldn't know anything about their bodies, but a lot of them were already symptomatic of real conditions below the belt that would cause them to be pretty aggravated chronic healthcare consumers as they got older, things like loss of bladder control or chronic constipation or pelvic pain. So that's why we wrote the book a skewed a little younger because we really want to get to them even before they might be in that kind of a space. You know, Missy, what do you find now with kids? You know, a lot of children are having sex earlier and they're doing things earlier than they used to than, let's say, when I was younger. Do you mm-hmm. find that the conversations you're having with these teens, with the girls especially, are they aware? I mean, just because they're having sex earlier doesn't mean they're more aware of their body earlier. What are some of the findings you have around that? So we don't specifically talk about sex in this book, but in our research study, we had a, an anonymous book in the back, and we, we started with their periods, because that's where those girls are, and that's where this book also starts. 
And what we found is that even though they were having their periods at 14 to 17, they really had no idea why they were having their periods. So the whole, this is what's going on in your body was interesting to them. But then when um, you looked at the fact that they were, a lot of them were sexually active already, things like, you know, what's cervical fluid or cervical mucus and that, that stuff in your underwear, and it's like, oh, is that what that is? And what does it predict as far as ovulation? And, hmm, because, you know, there's unfortunately a lot of natural rhythm method going on there. Um, so that was really fascinating for them. But what we heard a lot, and this is not just unique to our study, but it's pretty prevalent conversation, um, in Chicago at least, is a lot of questions about anal sex. And Interesting. that was a head spinner for us because we were not thinking we were going to go there, but we had gotten a significant amount of questions in the beta um, class to this, which we ran for a year and a half before at another high school. And we reached out then, and then we reached back out during the study to all of our typical health health resources, the Department of Public Health or the Illinois Coalition for Adolescent Health or Planned Parenthood, and everybody's heads were nodding. Oh, yeah, we get those questions, too, all the time. Okay, what do you have for resources? Mm, nothing. So we produced our first teen fact sheet on anal sex because it was unlubricated, unprotected anal sex. And a lot of urban, a lot of myths about I can't get pregnant, I can't get HIV, I can't get you know, STIs. Um, so that was a pretty significant finding. But just to your question about um, the girls were actually not having sex any, any younger. And, and actually the, the average age of the American girl first sexual intercourse is 17 still. Oh, wow. But that doesn't count for other types of sexual acts, and and mm-hmm. that is happening younger. So we still end up having a lot of conversations about, you know, body parts and about their own um, feelings about their bodies below the belt, um, whether it's sexual or not. You know, I did mention in the beginning that that rocking method is really important. What are some other things you teach the girls and in the books about just how to go to, you know, when you're peeing, you know, keeping your feet down, not squatting, you know, right. that rock and roll. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so we have a, we have a potty pledge that we um, instigate actually with women and girls of all ages. Pretty simple stuff like your, your bladder health and bowel health, just like every other part of your body, very affected by a diet and exercise. So what you're putting in your body comes out. So if you're putting things that have a lot of chemicals, like diet soda or bug juice or any of these other things, um, those things can all be potentially bladder irritants. So if you find that you're drinking a lot of Diet Cokes, for example, or I was a Diet Mountain Dew addict for (laughs) for years, Mm -hmm. you're going to be going to the bathroom more often. You're going to have that feeling of frequency and urgency a lot. So really watch what you're putting in your body. When you... So that's one thing. Second thing is when you do get to the bathroom, and it sh- you should be able to hold it for, you know, at that age, at least two to three hours, probably hopefully more towards the three hours. Um, and you have that lovely moment in the bathroom. You first of all want to sit down. And it's stunning how many women and girls are already hovering and, you know, squatting over the potty like you just alluded to. And that's really ergonomic 101. So I'm sure you all have done this before. You know, how relaxed do you think your pelvic floors are when you're hovering over the toilet? Not Not much. (laughs) Exactly. And to have a nice, wonderful, you know, moment, we say sit and take two. Two minutes doesn't sound like a lot of time, but when you're in there and you've got a deadline or you're running between class or somebody's banging on the stall door, it's a lot of time. So, you know, make a seat if you have to. Keep it neat. You know, make make a little nest of toilet paper, but sit down and let your pelvic floor relax so that you can get it all out. That's another really helpful tip. And then rock and roll. 
Yeah, Lisa, you were talking about rock and roll. Un- unfortunately, I don't have a copy of the book yet, but um, I know, Lisa, you had mentioned about the rock and roll. Tell us just a little bit about, we have about 30 seconds maybe left. Tell us a little bit about that, Missy. Yeah, the, the thing to know about that is when your bladder is empty, inside of it looks like a crumpled up baggie with these little crevices. So where urine can, residual urine can hang out. And if you're trying to get it out really quickly, you sit down, you like push, 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 and then you dash up and run away. There's still some urine that can potentially be in those crevices. So rocking and rolling, you literally stay on the toilet seat and just rock your pelvis back and forth, front to back, side to side, and see what comes out. And shockingly, a lot of people experience what you just reported is that it comes, there's more that comes out, and that gets that full, complete feeling sensation of having really gone to the bathroom. You know, Missy, I have so many other questions, but unfortunately, we're out of time today. We'd love you to come back because I want to talk about, you know, girls getting their periods. What should we do to bring on their periods? What do we celebrate it? What are things we should say, some proper vocabulary to use? Because I have a daughter who is 11, so she's approaching that age. And I just think it would be great for moms who have teens talking, you know, to, or talking to younger kids about it. So I have a five-year-old daughter, too. So I, we'd love to have you back on if you would come back on. You can learn more about Missy at womenshealthfoundation.org, and you could follow them on Twitter at women's, women's HF, like Health Foundation. I'm Andrea Donsky, along with Lisa Davis. This is Naturally Savvy Radio on Radio MD. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Your Radio MD and Naturally Savvy. Thanks for listening. Stay well. Stay well.